Good morning, Portland. Good morning, Jay County. Pastor Bob from the Portland Church of Christ uh, coming to you with another message right out of the book of Genesis. We're going to skip to chapter 3 today, so if you want to grab your Bible and open up to chapter 3. We did chapter 1 last week, chapter 2 kind of re We didn't even do all of chapter 1, we just kind of, t- excuse me, touched on it. But the idea was to give you the sense that God created. And that's not just, it's not there to prove that, it's there as a fact. It, God's the creator of the universe. And there's no doubt in anyone's mind that the uh, fact that some somebody, something created what we know. There's too much order. There's too much uh, material to explain. I talked to a, uh, a physicist once, and I asked him he, about you know God and about being a scientist and about what he believes. And he says, I don't know if I believe in the God that you believe in. He says, but I'm going to tell you this. Somebody created this planet, this universe, with order. And so I thought, okay, we're talking about the same guy. And and it's absolutely true. I've often asked teenagers, you know, when you walk into the woods and, and you come across a fence line and there's this four-foot post uh, there along the fence line and there's a turtle sitting on top of a fence post, what is it that you know? And, you know, they'll think about it for a minute. And the, and what you know is that somebody put that turtle there. Turtles don't climb fence posts. Turtles don't fall out of trees. Turtles don't fly. And so somebody put it there. It's just as if you're walking in the woods and all of a sudden you come across a plastic water bottle. It did not just bang, show up. Somebody put it there. There's There's somebody doing something. And so when you look at creation, you go, somebody did that somebody's doing something. And again, in in this particular guy's case, he said, I don't know if it's the God that you believe in, but I know somebody created this universe with order. And that's from a a physicist, a scientist. And I just love the fact that uh, he said that because to me it just even even bolsters the fact that there is a God. Now, maybe because of what he believes, he, he can't actually say that. Maybe because he's he's worried about the scientific community, he doesn't want to say that. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just know that he's in line with the rest of us. That We're here because someone created. We're here because someone placed this entire universe, this entire galaxy, everything we know in order. We recognize that to be God. Moses recognized it to be God, and so therefore, he didn't try to explain to you that there was a God. He just said God is. In fact, God, uh, when talking to Moses, when Moses said to him later on, I shouldn't say later on, but when they had a conversation, uh, it will be in Exodus, a couple books down the road, and he said, um, you know, who should I tell Pharaoh sent me? What's your name so I can say this guy sent me? And he says, I am. I just exist. I just am. And I just love that. Now, here we're going to see something a little bit different. We're going to introduce uh, the uh, character of Satan into the picture here in Genesis 3. It doesn't take long in the beginning for uh, Satan to get active in trying to mess man up. And that's what he does. That's, that's his goal. That's his purpose. He wants you and he wants I to be in bad relationship with God. Now, the thing is, he can't convince God to be in bad relationship with us because God loves us and sent his son to die for us. And God is always providing a way out and to redeem us back. So he has to make us believe God wants nothing to do with us. And that's where we are in Genesis uh, chapter 3. So after 1 and 2, God created. No no doubt. Moses didn't doubt it. You don't doubt it. And the reason I know you don't doubt it is because you're listening at 7.30 on a Sunday morning. So you guys are the believing guys. You know, when I say guys, I, you know, guys and girls. It's the way we talk in, in New York City. And so uh, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. 
Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field in which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said to you, You shall not eat from the tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the tree of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall surely not eat from or, or touch it, for if you do, you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Now, the first thing Satan wants to do here is introduce doubt, and this is really how he still works today. So, you know, when you want to talk about how do we know about our uh, our opponent, our enemy, we have to figure out how he approaches the battlefield and be prepared for that fight. And the first thing he wants to do is doubt. And this is this is powerful because this is a lot of what's happening today in our world. It happens with you and I, too. I mean, we're Bible-believing people. We go to church. We pray to God. We read his word. But he, there's that doubt from time to time that sneaks its way in. Maybe when we're struggling with a specific uh, thing, maybe when we're going through a, a tough uh, time in our life, maybe when the family member is struggling, we have these these doubts. And here's how Satan works. He he wants us to doubt. And I want you to see something here. Now, we didn't read it, but I'm going to backtrack a little bit because it's kind of subtle, but it's there. And what's interesting is that the writer, Moses, writes this. He's getting a message from the Holy Spirit, say, here's what you need to do. So jumping back to chapter 2, just for a minute, I want you to look at some verse. I'm going to tell you the verse, and I'm going to tell you what to look for. In verse 4... And we're talking about the creation. Um, in verse 4, referring to God, it says, Lord God. In verse 5, it says, Lord God. In verse 7, when talking about making man, it says, Lord God. When we get to verse 8, God plants the garden of Eden, and it says, Lord God. Then we get to verse 16, where the man is given the instructions of not eating from the tree. It says, Lord God. And then uh, we get to 18, God recognizes that man should not be alone. This is when he's getting ready to create woman. It says, Lord God. And so to create woman, God causes man to sleep. It says, Lord God. And so in chapter 2, we have at least, what, 2, 4, 6, 7, 8, Lord God. Now, uh, bear with me for a minute. Using the Hebrew language, Lord is Yahweh or Elohim. Lord God would be Yahweh Elohim. So Lord is Yahweh. Elohim is God. So when we see Lord God, we see Yahweh Elohim. Now, when we use the word Lord, the Hebrew uses the word Lord. The idea of Yahweh, Lord, is that relational character of God, who he is. In relation. So this is like um, even Jesus on the cross referring to him as a daddy, and you know, this is that relational aspect of who God is. Elohim is that powerful aspect of who God is. He, he's the creator. He's the giver of life. He's the one who speaks and life begins. He's the one that breathes into the, the nostrils of, of this pile of dirt, and it becomes a living, breathing human being, man. So Yahweh is the relational name for God. Elohim is the 
uh, fact that he's powerful, all creator, all being from the beginning, Yahweh Elohim. So in Genesis chapter 2, okay, you follow me here? Genesis chapter 2, Yahweh Elohim, the relational power said, the relational power did, the relational power, and then Satan comes along and he takes out the, the Yahweh part, just as Elohim. Here's why he does that. Elohim, Satan does, does not, will not, and cannot deny the power of God. That's simple. He cannot deny that God has power, and he's not going to try to get you to deny it because all you have to do is walk outside, look at the sky, look at the trees, look at the beauty. Even in this cold, you just know that there's a God. And so he realizes that he's not going to get us to not believe in God, but he can get us to doubt in the the fact that God wants to have a relationship with us. So here he goes, hey, this powerful guy, he really tells you all these things. He doesn't say this guy who wants to have a relationship with you. And see, there's a doubt. You see that? Right now in our lives today, in the world today, in the 21st century, Satan wants us to doubt God loves us. Well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know. God loves you. I'm not telling you God loves what you did. I'm not telling you God loves what I've done. I'm not telling you that God loves the sinful nature of man. I'm telling you God loves man. The Bible is simply full of that. You know, the, the best passage, the most known passage, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, He sent His only begotten Son. God loved the world. God loves you. But I, I, you know, I get it. And God gets it too. God knows who you are. God knows what you're doing. He may not approve of those things, but He simply loves you. So let's not, you know, mix the two. The fact that God loves us doesn't mean he approves of our lifestyle. And we're not into that topic today, but I'm just throwing it out there so folks don't go, whoa, God must love everything, so I can just do what I want. No. God just simply loves you because you're his creation, created in his image. And then there's other times, even in life, we disappoint him, but he still loves us. My grandkids uh, have asked me, Grandpa, will you always love me? I will absolutely always love you. I will not always appreciate everything you do. I will not always enjoy. I will always, you know, my grandkids can give me headaches. Let me tell you, I love them to pieces. You you cannot do anything to make me stop loving my grandkids or my kids. And, and so that's how God is. He loves us. And so here Satan says, let me just throw a little doubt out there. God loves you. I mean, God is powerful. There's no doubt about that. And he created these trees and he told you and put you in the garden. There's no doubt about that. But did he really say you know, you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden. And so, you know, that's the first, you know, just kind of mix it up a little bit. God didn't say that. God said you could eat from any tree, just can't eat from the one in the center. Uh, as deed, God said you shall not eat from any tree in the garden. So not only does he cause that little bit of doubt, but he turns that little word, that little bit, any tree. Now, the woman is smart enough to know that God didn't say that we couldn't eat from any tree. He just said we couldn't eat from this tree. Now, the one other thing I want you to see is I believe this is a big garden. I don't believe this is a little uh, city garden. I didn't believe this is a big country garden. And the reason I say that is because I grew up in the city in New York, and some people did have small gardens, um, you know, and, and they'd grow a, a couple of tomato plants or a, a couple of um, pepper plants, or whatever the case may be. But they were tiny, and you could see all the plants at once. But, you know, you come out here to the Midwest, and you look at the gardens here, the, the rows of corn. If I'm standing in one end of the row, I can't see the other end, so I'd have to go to the other end. And so God says, don't eat from this tree, but yet she's standing by the tree when Satan shows up. See, sometimes with sin, and here's the problem with sin, we're in places we shouldn't be. 
We're hanging around and doing things and pushing the envelope and getting too close and saying, I know I'm not supposed to be here, but, and so she's by the tree. And so here's this tree that she's not supposed to eat from. She's got all these other trees, but she's by this one. Satan shows up, and he kind of turns it around. Did God really say, well, you can't eat from any tree? And she's, she's smart enough to go, no, God, God said I could eat from trees, just not this one. Um, and he's, But then she loses a little fact. She starts to, She said, I can't even touch it. Now, I don't have any of that in my scripture where you can't even touch a tree. You can't eat from the tree because of what it can do. And so here she's like, I don't know. God said, don't, don't eat. Don't. Okay, so uh, he said, don't touch it. And so now she's getting to doubt. You see how Satan works? Getting us to doubt. And so right now, you may be listening to this and thinking, well, God doesn't want me to, and you're starting to doubt. God loves you. God wants you to do what's right. Satan's the only one wanting to put doubt in your mind and wanting you not to be in relationship with God. That's just a matter of fact. That's just Bible. That's just factual. When you're struggling with that doubt, that's Satan sneaking in and putting these things in your head. We got to fight that doubt. And it's difficult, folks. But the best way to do it is to be in God's word, to be with God's people. Like this morning, like if that doubt's going on in your head, you need to be with God's people. And I'm telling you, we're willing to welcome everyone in and say, hey, this is a place you belong here at the Portland Church of Christ. And God loves you. Come on down today, worship with us. 915 Bible study, 1030, 1020, I'm sorry, 1020, worship. God loves you, and so do we. Our God is a-